Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Mesh. I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad you have joined us today. Before we get into the message, just want to highlight a couple of things. Last, just this past Friday, uh, the bridge, which is a youth drop-in center that we're a part of, and other churches in the community as well, did an event called the Sleep Out. And what it was that uh, you found people to sponsor you, and you would sleep at the bridge outside on a cardboard box or in a tent made out of a cardboard box, and to experience just for one night what it might feel like to be homeless. So that's what we did. We had over 100 participants come join the evening. It was a great, great night. And we just want to highlight a couple things for that. I'm going to call Pastor Xavier up. This is Xavier. Here's our youth and our media pastor. And so what happens is you get sponsors to promote the event and help you out as you sleep out. We had nonprofit people come alongside. We had business people as well. And so there's a category for nonprofits, which is church. And a few youth groups in town got together and sponsored the event as well. And our kids here, the youth group here, and Pastor Xavier and their team were the winners for the sponsorship for church and a youth group. And they got a plaque, which is great. They raised over $7,500 as a group, which is amazing. So, yeah. Thanks, man. And what was amazing was that uh, the goal for the week uh, for this actual event was $100,000. So we went to sleep quote-unquote sleep uh, at this event, and a certain amount was raised already, I think just about almost 80000 and it was great. That's amazing, isn't it? We woke up the next day for breakfast, and they announced that during the night, someone had contributed even more, and we reached the goal of $100,000, which is amazing, right? So, yeah. So, big shout-out to the bridge, all the organizers, and hopefully next year, they decide to do it again, that you'll be out there as well with your cardboard box and come and participate as well. Lastly, one more thing really quickly. We do an event here called Love Leamington Serve Day. It's going to be on June 8th. It's an opportunity for you to connect with friends and family, maybe your life group, and do a project into the city. It could be painting a fence, cutting your neighbor's grass, whatever it looks like. So we're encouraging people to get involved. We want to highlight that so you save the date for June 8th. There'll be t-shirts available next week. We all wear the same t-shirt. We'll be ordering those next week. Just wanted to highlight that really quickly. So we're going to dive in today. And if you have a Bible in the pew in front of you, we're going to be on page uh, 1088. That's where we're going to be in. But we're also going to start in John 11. So John 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. You've got your device, whatever you want to use this morning. So when it comes to faith issues, the stakes are pretty high, aren't they? And it's sometimes as we journey through life, as we're Christ followers, sometimes in our faith journey, we can have doubts. And I think sometimes in the church, if you're a good Christian, we're not supposed to talk about our doubts. We're not supposed to talk about some of the questions we might have. And sometimes as we go through life, circumstances can creep up in our lives that can cause us to doubt. That could be a family situation, an illness, you lose your job, something serious happens in your family. And in those seasons, we start asking the question, where is God in the midst of this? And we start doubting, we ask those kind of questions that I think in the church, if we're honest, we don't always want to talk about it. And we're not open to having the conversations of doubt necessarily because, well, if I question, 
Or if I tell somebody I'm doubting, maybe somebody will think I'm less spiritual than I am. Maybe somebody will think, well, I don't really love Jesus if you're asking those hard questions or if you're doubting. And what's interesting, when you look at Scripture, there are folks that doubted as well. And they went through a bit of a faith crisis, you could call it. And I don't look at it as a faith crisis. It's an opportunity to ask questions, to lean into more into Jesus and the community of believers around us as well. So I'm just going to read some scripture for you, starting out of Mark 16, verses 9 to 13. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to the two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Then later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So today is one week after the resurrection. We celebrated the resurrection last week with Easter. And as we study the Word of God, there's lots of things that happen after the resurrection. Some amazing things have taken place already. But we're going to look at an individual today. And if you haven't heard of him, his name is Thomas. And he wasn't well-known. He's mentioned in Scripture. But he's well-known enough to have a nickname, which maybe you've heard before, as the Doubting Thomas. That was his nickname. That's what he was told, and that's what people called him. And after we go through Scripture today and talk about his story, hopefully we can look at Thomas in a different light as well. So Thomas is mentioned in the Bible, and he's mentioned three times also in the list of disciples. Thomas is also, his name is called Didymus, which basically means twin, okay, out of the Hebrew and the Greek. And so, but Scripture doesn't tell us who Thomas's twin is. So let's take a look at some of the interactions that Thomas has had with Jesus and the other disciples. So I'm going to be reading out of John 11, verses 1 to 16. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we, we may die with him. 
Now, this is near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and there's people plotting against him, people that want to see his demise. And it was during this time that Jesus and his disciples received news that Lazarus is very, very sick. Now, fearing for their lives, the disciples tried to talk Jesus out of not returning to Lazarus' hometown of Bethany. Now, Jesus was set on going. He wasn't going to change his mind. And Thomas says right there, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, Thomas's readiness to stay with Jesus, despite the consequences of what may, what may happen, is amazing. He demonstrates some pretty good loyalty there to Christ. Now, in this brief statement, there's a lot to be said about his courage. Thomas agreed that the Jewish leaders would probably kill Jesus if he went back to Jerusalem. And events soon would prove him correct. But what can you say about a man who essentially is saying, if they kill him, they'll have to kill me too. There's a love there, there's a loyalty there, there's a sacrifice and a, and a sense of commitment as well. Now Thomas was given the nickname, the Doubting Thomas. And I look at this, and he says, and I'm willing to follow with you, Jesus, even if it means death. You wonder how he got his nickname, right? Let's continue to read on. John 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Picture the scene. A complete statement by a very honest man. He doesn't know what's going on, but yet he speaks out to ask the hard question. And I wonder if the other disciples are thinking the same thing. They're looking outside, yeah, I'm good, I got you, Jesus, I'm with you, I understand completely. But deep down they're going, I don't get this at all. And yet Thomas is the one who raises his hand and says, Lord, I don't get it, I'm confused, I don't understand what you're talking about. I love his honesty in that moment. Now notice Jesus does not rebuke Thomas. Jesus doesn't make fun of him, but he appreciates the honest question. And it's amazing that Thomas had the courage to ask the question. Now the rest of the disciples, in their mind, were probably thinking, thank you, Brother Thomas, for asking the question, because I didn't want to raise my hand. Now what can we learn from this? You know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions we have in the church is that it's wrong to ask questions about our faith. That we're not allowed to ask those kind of hard questions in our faith. And it's good to ask those honest questions because it's important and it helps us as we try to grow in our relationship with Christ. I think sometimes we try to fake it till we make it. We go through the motions and we're struggling through something and we're having doubts and something comes up in scripture or our journey with Jesus and we think, well, I'm going to keep that to myself. And yet Thomas here is pretty honest, isn't he? Just about the question that probably others were thinking. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I need some time to process. And I think there's opportunities for every single one of us to be able to ask hard questions and get an answer. And we may not get the answer right away, but it's okay to ask questions when it comes to faith, when it comes to doubt. And don't let the lie that says we can't talk about doubt in our faith hold you back from asking questions. 
Now, what's interesting about this as well is Thomas asked that question. Jesus goes on to say this, one of the most profound statements he ever said in Scripture. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know that my Father is well. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him and have seen him. That's amazing to me that when Thomas asked this question, Jesus explains it. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus wouldn't have said exactly what he said there, but I just find it interesting that Thomas asked that question. Let's continue to read John 20, verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the door locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, so what happened here? The resurrection has happened, and it's all going down, and now these Christ followers are scared. They're in a safe house, basically, wondering what's going to happen to them as people are trying to find them as well. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Love that. Peace be with you. After he said that, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. What a moment. Jesus is resurrected. He's coming, comes through the room with the door locked, and he stands in front of all of them and says, Peace be with you. Then again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So Jesus appears to the disciples. Thomas is not there. The Bible doesn't tell us why he wasn't there. And these men are so excited that they've seen the Lord. And then what does Thomas say? After the disciples tell Thomas, we've seen him, we've been in a room with him, he is resurrected. And Thomas says this, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it on my side, and stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, notice Thomas is never identified as the bad guy here in this story. Jesus doesn't rebuke him in any way. He welcomes the unbelief. And instead of scolding Thomas, he says what he says to Thomas. And Jesus meets him exactly where he's at. And it was a moment of clarity for Thomas, because it goes on to say here, the statement that Thomas makes, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, Thomas is filled with worship. He is filled with awe because of Jesus. Now, if you go back to John chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you continue to read in verse 14, The Word became flesh, who is Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thomas has seen the glory of Christ, hasn't he? 
in that moment. And for him to say, my Lord and my God, he has come to the full understanding of God's grace, his glory, and his truth. And he's in complete awe and worship of Jesus. And at that point, whatever doubts, whatever concerns, whatever frustrations, whatever anger, whatever unbelief, whatever Thomas had for those eight days, they're gone. They're vanished. They're gone completely. It's gone because of the glory of God. And I imagine it's safe to say that Thomas, after that, his doubts were gone forever. But what's interesting is, even in that moment, Jesus realized it would not be quite so easy for those later to believe, such as ourselves, such as other people. It's harder for those who have not seen Jesus with their own eyes. We have physically not touched the scars of Jesus, have we? And yet, Jesus is saying it's much harder for us to believe. And that's where faith comes in. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And that's where faith comes in as well. And in our faith journey, there's going to be moments where we're going to question, where we're going to struggle. And what can we learn from the story as we think about Thomas and where he was at? First of all, let's understand this. Doubt is not a sin. Doubt is not a sin. If it were so, Jesus would have said, why are you sinning against me? And he didn't say that to Thomas. I think we all wrestle with doubt sometime in our life when it comes to faith. Perhaps you're there today where you're doubting and you're in that place of questioning what's going on here. And once Jesus showed him, he believed and he admitted it. And we haven't had the privilege to see Jesus and touch his scars. And that's where sometimes our unbelief can come and our doubts can come. But let me remind you, Jesus says exactly who he is. He is resurrected. He is sitting at the right hand of God. And one day he will be back. And we should be encouraged by that as well. See, doubt is about sincere questions. Unbelief is a hardening of a heart that we don't want to believe because we're disobedient and we're deliberate in that. We're denying it. But simple doubt and asking questions is not uncommon. Now, I don't know about you guys, this week, I didn't see anybody raised from the dead. And also, as we think about our minds, our scientific mind, sometimes it doesn't all add up, does it? It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? When you think about it. It doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes. But let's not forget ever that God can do the supernatural. He is not limited by anything. We limit him with our mindset sometimes. And as you think about doubt and when it comes to your life and the seasons of life that you're in, again, it comes during hardship. It comes during financial crisis, health issues, maybe a job loss, maybe a family situation. And we have to look at our doubt and be able to share those questions with somebody else as well. And as you think about what's going on here and we have these questions, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to accept the truth of who Jesus is? And if we are struggling, are we open and honest to try to figure out instead of just keeping it to ourselves. See, what's different between Thomas and us today and Jesus breathed the, the Holy Spirit on them, we have the full understanding of the Holy Spirit, meaning we have access. We have the full word of God in front of us that we can read scripture to encourage us. The Bible says this, all this I have spoken while I'm still with you. And this is Jesus speaking. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. And it's because of those things it can help us get through seasons of doubt. And there's other things in our life that should be included as well. And one of the things we need to do is admit your doubts and ask for help. Admit your doubts and ask for help. See, God is not fragile. He can handle your doubts. He can handle my doubt. I've had seasons of doubt in my life as a pastor. I'm not living there anymore, but I've been there before. And when I was going through that season, God in heaven wasn't walking around going, "Uh uh-oh, Mesh is having some doubts. There goes my sovereignty. He's just not. He can handle it. He's big. He runs the universe without any help. So tell him. And yet what's important as well that you tell other people, that you find a friend, that you find somebody in your life group, find somebody you can trust that you can admit your doubts to. So when I went through a season of doubt, I found friends that I know wouldn't condemn me of my doubt. And I shared about the struggle I was having with certain things in the faith. And what I found amazing as we talked and journeyed together, they began to share some of their doubts they've had as well. And it opened up great dialogue. And they were, they stood by me heart and soul and they were amazing. And I've had the privilege to walk with people in the same way today. And that's something we need to understand. The church should be there for each other in community that you tell someone. You're not alone in this. So if you've come here this morning and you're going through a season of doubt and something's hitting you, we want to challenge you, encourage you as well. You're not alone in this as well. Act on your faith, not in your doubts. Now, what does that mean? Noah built an ark. Moses walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. David beat Goliath, the giant. Joshua marched around Jericho. And then Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Do you not think these people in Scripture had moments of doubt? Noah, go build an ark. People are mocking and scoffing and making fun of him. And yet he walks on his faith, not his doubts. When Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, he's like, mercy. I'm getting thrown in a den with a bunch of lions. But he acted on his faith, not his doubt. I think sometimes we operate more out of our doubt instead of our faith. Now, they didn't know, and neither do we know in advance what the outcome's going to be of our life circumstance, do we? We just don't know. We don't know what the end game's going to be. We don't know how things are going to turn out. And I think if we're being really honest here, these folks in Scripture probably had some moments of doubt and wonder, but they acted on their faith. And if you've come here today and you're facing something and there's doubt coming, lean into your faith, not into the doubt. That's what Jesus calls us to do. We take a deep breath and we trust in God and we keep going. We keep going. Doubt your doubts, not your faith. What that simply means is this. Don't put up the white flag and give up and walk away and to say, I'm done. My life's too hard. My circumstances are overbearing me. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm in a dark season of life. I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm just going to walk away from all of it. We do not want you to walk away from any of it. We want you to keep fighting in the trenches. We want you to keep hanging on. 
I don't know when your circumstances will change, but at the end of the day, we have to keep fighting. We have to keep fighting in the faith. Not because of anything we can do, because of Jesus. So if you're in that place today where you're in the valley, and you've been in a valley for a long time, and friends, life can keep us in the valley for a long time, can it? But you know when you're in a valley, you gotta keep walking. You just gotta keep going. You gotta keep going. A couple more things to consider as well. Let's remember the past. Let's remember what God has done in our life from the past as you face present circumstances that are difficult. When was the last time you sat down and looked at your life and wrote down where God gave you victory in the midst of hard times? And yet when you were in it, you were thinking, there's no way I'm going to get through this. And you look back today and you can see God's glory in your life and what he's done. That's an important thing to remember, isn't it? That gives us an attitude of gratitude and helps us remember what God has done, that he remains faithful, even in the hardest things that we face. That encouragement of past victories because of Jesus can comfort us today when we're facing difficult times and you want to give up. Maybe today that could be an exercise you do individually or as a family, and you sit down and you take stock of what God has done. Last week, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, and you give God glory and you say, thank you. Because I think sometimes we're thankful in the moment, but then we don't look back enough to say, Jesus, thank you, because it keeps us going. I've leaned into past joys and victories because of Jesus in my life to face circumstances today that you look at and go, God is good. God is good, even in the midst of difficult things. So be encouraged by that. Let's also remember the future. The Bible says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty. Jesus is coming back one day. This life that we're living and the hardships we're facing are temporary. And he's going to come back, and if you're a Christ follower, you're going to go to glory with him. That's exciting. That's something we should be cheering on and celebrating. There's hope when we have Jesus, even when we're facing doubt, because he's coming back. The future is coming. I don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. And there are moments in my life, and I know I've talked to others as well, where thinking about eternity and what's next keeps you going. It keeps you going. As you think about Thomas and what he went through and what he did. Now, after... Pentecost, the Bible never mentions Thomas again. But history tells us a story about what happened to Thomas. He traveled to Persia preaching the gospel. He finally wound up in India. And that's where he did a lot of ministry, a fruitful ministry. As a matter of fact, there's churches there today because of what Thomas did in his ministry there. And eventually what happened was there was people that didn't agree with what he was preaching, enemies of the Lord, and he was martyred. He was killed. Thomas was killed. And Thomas, this person called the doubting Thomas who doubted, he eventually died for the Lord he once doubted. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a powerful testimony of who God is. And it's a good reminder for us as well. So as you've come here today, 
And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what's keeping you from believing in him? What's holding you back? What's keeping you to sit on the fence and say, no, I'm good. I'm good. I know it's hard. But following Jesus is the greatest and best decision you'll ever make. And you might ask yourself, well, it's not worth it. Well, it is worth it. You know why? Because Scripture tells us that you will pay a price if you don't follow Christ. The Bible says this in Mark 8, that he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So if you're a Christ follower here as well and you've come, are you taking up your cross and following Christ? What's holding you back from being all in to follow him, even in the midst of doubt? Because we all go through that. And if you come here this morning and you're still trying to figure out faith, we understand that. And maybe doubt's holding you back. But we want to encourage you and, and, and let you know that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's no longer dead. Can I get an amen for that? And there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Christ. And friends, today's a, a day where you come to church and we don't know all your circumstances. We don't know what you're going through. We don't know what you're facing. Because when you come to church every Sunday, everybody's good. Maybe some of you are on the cusp of doubt today. We're wanting to wave the flag and say, I'm done. I'm done. I come to church, but I'm done. We simply want to say this to you. Don't give up hope. There's prayer available after service as well. If you're one of those folks, come forward. Receive prayer. And if you're not comfortable coming up here, talk to someone before you leave. Don't give up. Don't give up the fight. We're in this together. That's what the church is about. And if you're coming here this morning and you're doubting, Thomas, the doubting Thomas. I hope you're encouraged by his story out of Scripture. Because he was brave. He gave his life for Christ. Now, it doesn't mean today or tomorrow that you're going to get martyred for Jesus. I don't know what his plans are for you individually, but it could happen. And yet we're called every single day to stand in the gap for the kingdom, regardless of the opinions of people around us, regardless of the circumstances we're facing. And if you are on that journey today and you are doubting, brothers and sisters, you're not alone. We want to walk with you as well. And do not be afraid to enter that doubt and ask those questions because of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for resurrecting. Thank you for the hope that comes in you. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would continue to shine your face upon us, show us more of who you are. And for those who have come today that are doubting, Lord, that are feeling discouraged, that are wanting to give up following you, Holy Spirit, just come speak to them now. Make their burden light. Help them know that you are with them, heart and soul. And they would not leave this place alone, feeling like they have no support, but they would have the courage to share what they're going through without any condemnation. So pour over, Holy Spirit. 
And for those today, Jesus, that have come that have never decided to follow you, but they're just trying to figure out who you are, continue to reveal yourself to them, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Thomas. Thank you for how you showed so much grace and mercy towards him as well. And I pray, Lord, today we would lean into that even more so. And we would take a moment to look back for what you've done. And we look forward to the future, Lord, when you return. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, Father, we proclaim that this morning your name is powerful. There is power in your name, and this morning we can come before you with the confidence of that, that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what we face, we can come to you, and our doubts are so much smaller than you. You're so much bigger than everything we can face in this life, and so we thank you um, that you are in our lives and for who you are in our lives. And I pray that this week as we go our separate ways, um, that as we face different things, that we would draw and come to you and lean on you uh, for strength and for everything that we need. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. I just want to remind you we have a prayer team at the front here. Um, these guys have been trained to pray for you. So if you need prayer this morning, just come to the front. Have a good Sunday. Sunday.